Welcome back to We Are Already Free, the podcast helping you to live your truth and be the change. In today's episode, I'm excited to have Ksenia Brief, a podcast host, mentor, and sacred social media guide for entrepreneurs, creatives, and healers. Throughout our conversation, we explore the power of vulnerability, the importance of following intuitive hits, and how to weave a new dream outside of the current paradigm of marketing and business. Ksenia shares her unique approach to content creation and storytelling, the importance of being present with what is, and so much more. So sit back, relax, and join us for this magical conversation on We Are Already Free. If you're struggling with feelings of overwhelm with all the things wrong in the world today, it's really simple. The solution is breathwork. <laughs> By practicing simple breathing exercises, you can seriously reduce anxiety and find inner calm. Download my free guided breathwork meditation and unlock your power of inner peace. Take control of your breath and start your journey towards greater well-being today. Head to alreadyfree.me forward slash 26 to download my free guided breathwork meditation. Breathwork is proven to reduce stress and anxiety, improve physical health, and enhance emotional and physical well-being. Huge shout out to anyone supporting this podcast on Patreon. Bonus chat with Ksenia is now live, so be sure to check out after you listen to this episode. Thank you so much again. Really appreciate your support. And now, please enjoy this community-funded chat with the delightful Ksenia Brief. Yeah, just around Rhodesian Ridgebacks, we had two or three generations of them uh, when I was growing up. And they were, our first one was called Malibu. And then my dad had Zach and Amber, and they're amazing. And Me Melody, I think, was his last one. And uh, they're super, super beautiful dogs. So I, I, when Any I saw pro that. Any tips on understanding them and being with them? <laughs> I don't, you know, I was very young when we had them. So. All I remember is just how loving they were. They just was, they were the best guard dogs because they, they're hunters and they're designed, they're, they're bred as hunters, but they're also super friendly with family and people. And so I don't know, I just found, I just found myself very safe with our Ridgebacks. How, do you, how are you finding yours? Well, she's five months old and she is changing every single day, but there's just something about her. She, well, first of all, I call her Miss Velvet because she's so soft. And just touching her and having her in my lap when I'm meditating has been such a profound trip. Like I've sat with many different psychedelics. I've done a lot of personal development, but having a dog to me feels kind of like what people say about having a child. I haven't had a child yet, but mm. this feels like one of the most incredible and expansive journeys because just the invitation into presence, into beauty has been absolutely life-changing. Like just waking up, getting her out of the crate, her jumping up on my shoulders and kissing my face, taking her out, feeding her, and then we sit on the couch and we watch the sun rise in the window and the sun kind of just shines on our faces and she tucks her head on my lap and there's no need to do anything, no need to run anywhere. We just sit and we just be with each other. I wish then when I was just starting to meditate, somebody told me, you know, be with a dog. I don't know if I had <laughs> the right circumstances to have a dog at that time, but she has been such a teacher in so many ways. I highly recommend that for anybody looking to experience more presence in your life. Oh, that's so beautiful. I, I'm very much a dog person. My my lady, Kylie, and myself, she, Kylie really brought <clears throat> dogs into my life again as an adult where I 
had we had a lot of them when I was a kid and with a family, but then I started traveling in my twenties and just kind of always was like, oh, I'd love to have a dog, but I don't know how that's ever going to happen. And then I met Kylie, and she came with three with four dogs, and uh, wow. and they were all, all rescues and. And there's a whole there's a whole big story, but but basically one of those dogs was a, a dog named Sasa, who uh, basically became my medicine dog. Like she just chose me, and she was never further away from the, than a few meters or a few yards from me at any time. And and she really gifted me so much when I was in a very very dark place. And she just showed me unconditional love. Like what, however, if I was lying in bed binging Netflix for like two weeks, feeling like I just wanted to die, she's like cool i'm I'm with you i love you you're amazing Latang, and that was like mm. it was profound and she actually unfortunately she passed in a very traumatic way where she mm. um she, she ran away and just disappeared we never found her and it was just but even in that which she she reopened the the, tr- the abandonment wound that i experienced when my mother disappeared for nine months when i was 10 years old and so, and, and I felt the things that I never got to felt when I feel when I was 10 years old, that no one could hold the container for me of what that really, I just don't even remember that time. Yeah. And then when, when Sasa left, it was like, oh, that's what that feels like. So. Isn't it fascinating, the divine weaving of that? How even through a dog, you can re-experience the human lessons that you didn't have the capacity to experience, but then a dog comes in and opens all of this up. Yeah. It's incredible. I know for us, it opened up a lot of childhood wounds as well for me and my husband both. And I never expected it to be that. But I feel like when we're open to lessons and to being present on the journey, the lessons come in through whatever way they can, through a stranger mm. in, at a grocery store, through a dog, through a bird, through a dead squirrel on the road. Like the lessons are just everywhere. Once we're open, mm. we're kind of just magnets for that kind of expansion. God, yeah, it does not make it easy. I'm curious to hear, like, what your, uh, wh- if you're willing to or open to sharing, what ha- what are some of the lessons that have come through having your puppy? Sorry, what's your what's your puppy's name? Her name is Shaq. Shaq. Her full name is Shakti Shaq Diesel. <laughs> uh, mostly named by my husband. I kind of chimed in with Shakti a little bit. You know, for me, one of the biggest lessons moving through my life in the past few months has been presence, and this idea that when I'm present for myself, great things happen. Mm-hmm. And only until I started, only when I started dropping into what that means, I realized that for a lot of my life, I wasn't present for myself because I was putting others' needs first. And so really remembering that I am the main character of my life, that my feelings come first before anybody else's. And somehow advocating for this puppy and having her in my life has been an invitation to go even deeper into that. This one time we went to Gati, which is uh, a homemade coconut ice cream shop in Austin. Incredible. Anyone who ever comes to Austin, Nathan, if you come visit, I got to take you there because their ice cream, there's a, what is it? There's a pandan leaf flavor that is absolutely like game changing. It's life changing. It's so good. So we went there with the puppy after one of her puppy classes when she was a tiny, tiny baby. She's almost 60 pounds at this point at five months. But we took her there and she was exhausted after the class. She couldn't move. She kind of just like wanted to be in my arms. She didn't want to jump down and sniff everything like she typically does. So I was sitting there eating my ice cream and holding her kind of like a baby, like on my chest. 
And I never thought I would be the kind of person who kind of treats their animal like a child. I thought it was such a funny thing. But once she came into my life, like there is no other way to treat her. She is our baby, just not in human skin, but in this beautiful fur. And there were people sitting next to us at the table and they were speaking another language, but then they also dropped in a couple of lines in English and they said something like, oh, look at these people treating their dog like a, like a human child. And that was, brought up like a whole spectrum of so many emotions, like mm. not looking good, the fear of being judged, being uncomfortable with somebody just sitting right next to me, like almost in my energy field and like having a bad opinion of me like not pleasing everybody and feeling kind of like maybe are they right do we do we just leave and so it's been an invitation since anytime i go anywhere with her there's some people who are dying to talk to her want to hug her want her in their face and want to know everything about her like we'll walk from the other side of the street and say wow your dog is so beautiful i love reducing richback and then there's some other people who she might accidentally sniff because I can't constantly hold her. She's still a puppy. And they will look at me and give me the stare of death. Mm. And so for me, it's been such a profound lesson that even something that I feel is so pure and so beautiful can awaken not the nicest emotions in people. For some, just like, you know, out of respect of some people have allergies or trauma with dogs with respect to all of that, but I think some people are just not open to love. And to some people, love feels like pain because they're working so hard at pushing against it, probably subconsciously. Mm. And so for me, keeping coming back to, okay, I'm not responsible to what everybody else around me is feeling. My job is not to please them. I'm here with myself, with my inner child. I'm here with my dog. And it's first about our experience. And it's so funny, I'm already like hearing the parallel voice in my head of maybe somebody's listening and thinking, oh, this sounds so selfish. But <laughs> it's like, if we don't first, what I know for myself, when I don't first put my own peace and my own presence within myself and my family first, then there's no chance I can source it from the outside. It really comes from being comfortable with what is in every moment, not trying to control everybody's reaction, being so deeply present and grounded in my own heart, trying to do my best, trying to have fun. And the rest is just not up to me. And sometimes lessons for me or for others will come in the most inconvenient, uncomfortable and triggering ways. And that is the best medicine. Mm. So that's kind of a, a little bit of a journey of some of the things she's been bringing up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you remind me of a story that I heard on Laura Dawn's Psychedelic Leadership podcast that has become one of my absolute core mantras where she was discussing how her separation from her partner and they'd been together eight years and they were separate, they were husband and wife and they were separating, as she said, like amicably, it, you know, they were doing it consciously, but it was obviously still really hard. And she was at some point having a conversation with a mutual friend and she was kind of, I can't remember the exact words she used, but it was something like complaining a little bit to this mutual friend of like, oh, you know, well, he this and he that and, and kind of having a bit of a go. And the friend at some point, he just paused and he said, you know, Laura Dawn, the only thing any of us can do is to get right with ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, that just like I, I just think of that all the time now because it's my experience with plant medicines when I started working more uh, deeply with ayahuasca was the first time I really sat in a circle of like 50 people held by honey coin from the Amazon, like really just the most in integrity. And I sat there and at some point I was like, I just didn't know whether I should sit up or lie down or fall over or purge. or And I was like looking around trying to work out like trying to decide who I should be or how I should show up based on how other people around me were doing it. And I, it was so overwhelming. And that lesson there was was both, I have to, at the end of the day, it is my choice how I show up. And at the same time, my choice will have an effect on someone else. If I'm loudly purging because I'm like, oh, this is so hard for me, that is going to have an effect on the people around me. And so, and that's okay, but it's to acknowledge that and know that. So thank you Mm -hmm. for that story. I really resonate. Yeah. I love that you bring that up because what came to me is a picture of one of my first ayahuasca ceremonies. I remember I was single at the time. And the person seated next to me was a somebody I found very attractive. And the whole time, all I was thinking, <laughs> until it broke through at some point, I didn't purge, but at some point I did allow myself a little bit more space to actually be with myself. But the first part of the night, I was so focused on how's my hair? How's my white outfit? Is he going to think I'm attractive? Is he looking at me? All of those things that I had spent so many years leading up to that moment worrying about and trying to look good, like kind of the culture of magazines I grew up on of wear this lipstick and this guy will notice you, wear this perfume. Instead of focusing on the inner state of how can I be so comfortable within myself, walking through life with joy, that I become a magnet for everything that's meant to be in my field and There's nothing to grab. There's nothing to own. There's nothing to prove. There's nothing to defend. There's nothing to promote. Those are just the lessons that came with time, but it really came out in that one ayahuasca night. And boy, it takes so much of our energy. And the thing is, people like you and I, people who are listening to this podcast, typically are often people who walk into the room and have the strongest energy. But when we forget that and when we start calibrating our responses to the world based on how others are responding to the world, we are robbing ourselves of the gift of presence, but we're also robbing everybody around ourselves of this permission to be with how we're feeling truly within instead of constantly checking in. It's so exhausting to be constantly checking in. Oh, it truly is. Well said. I I feel like one of the terms that came to me in a different journey uh, was enough is enough. And it's an interesting term because in, in when people generally say that in English, it's like, my understanding is enough is enough. It's kind of like, I'm done with this. Enough is enough. You know, I've had enough. Yeah. And But in that, that moment, I realized, no, 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 no. Enough is enough. And enough is not static. So I had the sense of sometimes I do need to be the person who has the floor. And is shining the light as I walk in and, and, and offer the light to the world. And sometimes I'm the quiet one who's just sitting holding space. Sometimes I'm the one crying on the floor while someone else is consoling me. But like in each of those moments, can I be present enough to be that Nathan? Because that is enough. Enough is enough. Mm. And considering that maybe you being the quietest person in the room actually is when you're at your most impact because your energy is still radiating. Because when you're in that authenticity and allowing yourself to be fully where you're at, people feel it and they feel that permission. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. 
enough is enough. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love that. That's that's a good reminder. I think for me, one of my shadow pieces, well, I've gone both ways at times. Sometimes it's been take up so much space because I feel so small. Other times it's like, I don't want to take up any space because I don't want to tread on anyone's toes. And then I'm also being very small. So yeah, I know both those states. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, this actually guides me into, so one of the reasons that I reached out to you for a conversation is because I just really admire, well, the way that you present specifically in the world of social media, how you show up so authentically and also how you're like a badass businesswoman. You can tell me if that label doesn't feel appropriate for you, but like you seem to really have a beautiful structure to how your offerings in the world and your podcast is awesome. And listening to you, I'm just like, I, I get this invitation always to, why am I fighting so hard? Like, why does this feel like such a slog and such a, oh, it's so much effort just to like put stuff into the world. And and so I guess the question that I'm coming to is, is how do, how do I use social media? Or how does anyone who, where we all connected through, through these uh, online channels, how to keep that authentic when in a way social media is definitively or part of its definition is that it is performative because there is a response being like the comment, the like, the share, the message, the the purchase. How do you navigate that beautiful authenticity of trusting in the flow, being present while also doing that in the sphere of online worlds? Mm. Well, thank you for the beautiful reflection. And um, I remember when we first connected, you sent me such a beautiful voice message on Instagram just kind of reflecting similar things you just said. And it was just, I could really feel your heart and I was really moved by it. So thank you for reaching out. And, you know, there's so many, there's so many dimensions of what you just asked me about. And let me start with the beginning. Uh, Do I resonate with businesswoman? Yeah, I certainly, I am an entrepreneur and I have been since I can remember, like I've had businesses and projects since, I was legally allowed to work. I've always loved expressing myself through different creative outlets, through being of service and then making money. And at first I would be motivated to make money so I could travel outside of my annual family vacations. Then I started investing it uh, and buying a nice camera and a nice external flash so I can be a photographer at events. And it all kind of built on itself. And when I look back, it all makes sense of why I'm a storyteller. I've always been a storyteller. I've had a blog since I was 15 years old, since I learned about the concept of a blog. And so I think the first invitation is to anyone who is in this place of like, how do I show up? Where's the space between authenticity and marketing and making sure I'm showing up consistently and sharing about my work, but also not overdoing it? I think recognizing that there's so many shifts and expansion transitions going on in the world overall to earth, to socioeconomic systems, to everything, to education systems, to health systems, to everything. And of course it's happening for us too in business, in marketing and how we express ourselves. So firstly, giving ourselves grace to be in between I know that for me, for years, I identified deeply with this idea of being like this badass businesswoman, entrepreneur, social media consultant, maven, podcaster, speaker, whatever. Like I really rejoiced in all of the labels. And then at some point, 
well, at a very specific point when I had a sacred mushroom ceremony with three and a half grams of psilocybin. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, leading up to it, of course, like there was a lot of boiling up of like, something just doesn't fit. Like, I feel like I'm wearing an outfit that just like no longer fits, but I'm scared to let go of it because there's a certain level of worldly success and recognition associated with all these things that I've built online. And the invitation was very clear. It was, okay, it's time to release all of these identities, all of your attachments to previous successes, because that's the only way forward. And that's the only way to grow is to step into that unknown. And so for me, the journey has been kind of dissociating myself from some of the projects I've had from my blog, Breakfast Criminals, that a lot of people found me through, through when I was posting acai bowl recipes 10 years ago, <laughs> to Conscious Social Media Program, which is a program that I taught that kind of combined energetics and stra- very st- strategic business and meditation and ritual all together in one place to help coaches and healers and entrepreneurs use social media in a way that is in alignment with their inner algorithm and not just in service to how we've been taught to do marketing. That was a program that was very dear to my heart. And the message was very clear, just like unravel it all, pause it all, cancel all the domain renewals, don't launch anything, just be. And it was so deeply uncomfortable because that's the way I knew not only to make money, but also that's like where I got my value from. That's where I got my validation from. And so from there, it's been this deep journey of, okay, well, first of all, my value and my worth in the world doesn't come from producing things, from launching things, from getting money in my bank account. My only value is in being fully present here now, listening to the messages that I'm receiving And then when I'm called to share something, when I'm called to put something out, trusting myself enough to release it and to put it out there. And if no messages are are coming in to move and launch anything, then trusting that, that there's more things to brew on. And it's such an interesting thing too, because I feel like in this paradigm of spiritual entrepreneur, a lot of people I've seen have uh, kind of quit their jobs and now being spiritual entrepreneur, however that expresses for you, it could be a coach or a podcaster or a content creator, um, is a full-time thing. And I've been there where I've had pressure on making money that way. And at some point, it to me, when there is pressure on making money from it full-time, there's less joy in it. So I've always diversified. There's been coaching and consulting. There's been social media programs. There's been content creation and brands. There's been podcast sponsorships. There's affiliate marketing and all these things are still bringing me money. So it's really nice to kind of have a diversity. But I just want to go back to that grace. Like if you find yourself in a place where social media is the main way you bring in money and you feel like something just doesn't fit, but you don't yet know how do you let go of it, especially because you rely on it for income. There is a way where you can let go of the grip and while continuing to run a business, make space to listen a little more deeply, to slow down a little more deeply, and always leave space for the highest and most aligned opportunity. I know that anytime I've said no to brand sponsorships, they were like, mm, kind of sounds good, but something about it just like, I don't know, I'm not excited to promote this brand or this product. 
and I've said no and trusted that there would be something better, there always has been something better. Mm. So it's this continual choice to take the leap into the unknown and let go of all these external needs of showing up a certain way or in a certain schedule. And one of the biggest invitations that I received was from my friend Dajia James, the story doula. I did a session with her when I was kind of like before my psychedelic journey with mushrooms, when I was just like, what do I do? I have this thing that I'm sitting on and I can continue running it. And I know so well how to monetize it and people know it. And it's like seemingly going so great, but something just doesn't work. And she said, well, why don't you just show up to your community and tell them where you're at? Like, tell them exactly this. Like, I have this thing. You know me as this. I've been showing up as this, but I don't know something. There's something else coming and I don't know what it is yet. And I hadn't thought about doing that. So this like removing the layers one by one constantly and being like, okay, so what's behind that? What's behind that? And removing the stage and speaking to our communities online, not from a stage, but as if somebody's like on this chair next to me and I just made them a cup of cacao and they're visiting. And like, what would I actually share with somebody who's right here next to me? And that's kind of the vision and the intention that I hold with every interaction online and on the podcast of, okay, what is the most true and what is the most present and how can I share from that place and removing the stage? So yeah. that's kind of the first big layer that comes in to your question. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Remove the stage. It's so I, <laughs> one of the things I really want to continue exploring, which is you mentioned it a moment ago, this idea of sort of spiritual entrepreneurship and, um, so I'll just give you my brief story just to preface and contextualize the, the kind of question. But um, <laughs> so about 12 years ago, so, so from a very young age, actually, I'll start even at the beginning, like from a very, very young age, I was as, and I'm not thinking I'm unique in any way, I'm just sharing my story, but like I was highly sensitive and I knew what I wanted was connection, joy, playfulness, authenticity. I didn't have those words for it, but that's what I was trying to express. And so very quickly I was bullied and I was put in detention and I was, you know, crushed by various external societal structures that said, no, 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 that's not what we want from you. We want this. And so, and I tried really hard for a long time. I, I tried alcohol and women and being a player and I put on all these different identities to be like, well, if I can you know uh, seduce enough women then I, that they'll see that I'm a good man and 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 obviously no no surprise it was horribly painful over time I hurt a lot of people I hurt myself and um and eventually that inner voice just kept nudging me nudging me nudging me and I started turning back towards myself and around that time around 2010 I I started seeing a, a teacher he, he combines all these beautiful things, dream reading, tarot, counseling, breath work, and he only works through word of mouth. He's based in London, UK, and I got connected with him. I started working with him. And within a few months of working together, not even just a few sessions even, he just said, Nathan, you know that you this work that I'm doing is the work that you could be doing. Like this work is, you could do this very, this is a thing. I just want you to know that. And I was like, yeah, okay, fine. And then tried very hard to do anything but that for the next 10 years. And I went into a music career, singer, songwriter, and it went well. Like I, I had a successful Patreon at one point, you know, reflecting some of those same things you've been sharing. And, and then I properly burnt out, burnt out, depression, crashed, like just my Patreon crashed. I didn't fulfill promises with 
album I was putting out, like I just completely Dark Knight of the Soul it just so seriously. And and through that process, again, that message kept coming up of like surrender into your bigness, surrender into the service. And so eventually I I surrendered and I did a life coaching course, an amazing life coaching course. And I've did a breathwork facilitator course and all of this over the last just sort of three years or so. And I've started facilitating. And so last year was really my first year having clients and moving into that world more, more consistently. And now I'm, I'm, co- I'm co-facilitating already two retreats this year. And I just had three amazing. different people reach out within the first week of January just to say, Nathan, I want to come do a session with you, like in person, in in the real. And I wow. mean, just so just amazing. So that's the positive. That's the beauty. And I'm feeling it. And then there is this online, the paradigm of the spiritual entrepreneurs. And I see how many people are out there being like, follow my thing and I'll, you know, I'll fix all, you know, you'll fix all the stuff through my 10 step program. And, and, the, and I'm just, there's a part of me that feels, and I, and this is still my work, obviously, but there's a part of me that I feel a resistance to actually putting myself out there because I don't want to be seen like that because I'm scared that people will think that I am, that I'm doing it because I want to make loads of money. And I do want to make loads of money. Like I, I absolutely do. I want my family. I want my woman to feel freaking cared for. Like, and I want my dogs and my house and my home and my off grid land. Like, I want it to be nourished and juicy and hot tubbed and sauntered. Yes. And like, I fully in for all of that. And that's not the place. That's not what is driving me. I have tried to avoid this manifestation of Nathan for so long. So, yeah, I guess I just would love to hear you speak to that this current push around like the wellness industry out there of like, we're going to save you and, uh, and how to navigate that as from an, again, the authenticity from an authentic place. <laughs> mm. Well, first of all, I do see that reality for you, the juicy land, the dogs having whatever treat and meat or whatever they eat, they want <laughs> the sauna, the everything for your lady, just, just that abundance that is your birthright. And I think I really appreciate how you framed all of that because the first thing is stopping avoiding the fact that we like money. Money's great. Mm. Money allows us to have this freedom to buy a sauna, to go on a trip, to invite somebody to do something they would never have a chance to do because we have that abundance and we're able to extend it to them. So it's interesting how I feel like this whole archetype of poor struggling healer is coming to the surface one final time before it like we all collectively dissipate it because there's there's kind of this old funky smelling thought of if your intentions are pure and if you want to offer value to the world from your heart then there's no way you should be excited about money like you know they can't exist at, at once somehow there's a little fly that like flew as I said that. Bye fly. I don't want you here. <laughs> but it's just so not real and so not true. I know for me, one of the biggest teachers in that has been my husband, who has really, we've been together for almost six years. He has really held this space for me to step into being more comfortable with money conversations, with negotiations, with not feeling apologetic when I'm discussing money and just feeling a number, a price, and associating it with the value and the depth of the presence that I bring and not feeling in any way guilty about wanting that. 
So I think that's like the first thing is stopping villainizing money because in my experience, money opens up so many beautiful possibilities. And then, you know, you talked about human connection. What comes to mind is I think a lot of times when we sit down to think about social media, how do we create a community? How do we connect with people? It's like, how do we create that possibility for human connection? Well, what I invite you to do is go and create human connection outside of social media. Because when we go out in the world and truly feel that, it's just going to, that energetic blueprint, it's going to translate in how you show up online and you don't even have to say anything. I know that I just went to a magical, super expansive family trip to Turkey. It was given me in a vision. And uh, there was a huge miracle that occurred, like a whole big family healing and reunion for the first time in four years. And I was the kind of the one who envisioned it and brought it all together. So I was holding a lot of energetic space. And then once I got there, I was, I still feel very much in that place of like between spirit and human. Like I went so far into the spirit world without any medicines, just like holding that space for miracle and watching it happen in front of my eyes. And that kind of allowed me when I was on on the trip there to just be present to those human connections. And Turkish people, they're so incredible in a sense that they're so direct. Like there's no niceties, there's no pretend smiles. If they're smiling, you're actually getting that care and connection. And in Istanbul, me and my parents were in Istanbul for a couple of days before we went to our next destination. And as I usually do, before I even land at a place, I mapped out all the coffee shops I wanted to go to and like favored them, favorited them on my Google Maps and like made a route where I'll go first. And one of the coffee shops, there was only one that was open at 5.30 and I was waking up with the jet lag super early. And so we went to that one with my dad before our morning walk. And it's a tiny, tiny, tiny coffee shop. And yet the person who owns it, he roasts all the beans right there. You can see all the equipment. He makes sandwiches and he makes the most killer macchiato. It was so good. He, I could tell he loves his craft so much. And then one morning when we're sitting there, we kept coming over every morning. And one morning me and my dad are sitting, having a soulful conversation. It's still dark outside. And we watch a what looks like a homeless person come up to the shop and the owner kind of notices him and they notice each other. And the owner kind of calls in the person to go inside the shop and gives him a sandwich and a coffee. And there wasn't really a lot of words exchanged. It was like, it felt like this unspoken agreement they have established and this routine and this ritual. And I was just so moved by that. I feel like that I was already feeling the soul of the business and the person who runs it. But that moment of him caring for his community and another human being in this like way and like waking up extra early, he was telling me he wakes up at like 4 a.m. to make these sandwiches and then giving it away. I was just so moved by that. And then by the last day, we told him, okay, this is our last morning. If you don't see us tomorrow, it's not because we don't like your coffee. We're actually leaving to our next destination. And I tried to give him a tip and he just wouldn't take it. He even like gave me some of the money that I try to pay him back. <clears throat> and so for me, I've been really deeply into in the topic of 
beyond money? What are motivations beyond money? What exists in the field beyond that chase for that money and that security? And I feel like for me, I needed to get to a place where I have a certain amount of financial abundance to allow myself to go to that total freedom in creation and in being. But we don't have to do that. Like I saw in the example of this coffee shop owner, I can't imagine him making a ton of money. It's a tiny little place. But the freedom that I felt in him and being in his gift and being taken care by the community and taking care of the community in return and just the pure joy of being doing what he loves and being where he knows he's meant to be beyond the chase. That, that is what I think is so beautiful to connect to because again, like when we think about, okay, well, showing up on social media, sharing about my program, what's the intention and like really deconstructing the why? Well, it's to have people know about my work. Why? Well, so that they can sign up for my program. Why? Well, so that I can work and be in my gift and also make some money and, you know, buy things for my lady and my dogs and my land. Why? Why is that all important to you? And then when we keep asking that why and get to the very bottom of it, what I'm really curious about at the moment is what is beyond all of that? And from my personal exploration with it, what I found beneath the chase is like just pure, infinite beauty and peace. And there's nothing to chase and there's nothing to be. There's no next project to grab onto. There's no next launch to plan. There's just this pure, infinite bliss of being that is that is endless. No beginning and no end. Yeah, thank you. That tied in. I love the way I got so emotional when you were telling that story. Yeah, it's oh, a good one. I just love how that story just reflects the pure simplicity of actually living. I think it's so the, the the in the in the beginning of this podcast every episode I say this is a podcast for down to earth f- seekers and free people and to me the down to earth part is like so important it's the critical piece within that 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 I came here I embodied and I believe we all embodied but I can only speak for myself I embodied to be embodied to be I'm here now this is where I am. I, and so that idea, being able to, to, to have the most profoundly, what I perceive or what I receive as from you, the most profoundly spiritual experience in a coffee shop, witnessing the interactions back and forth with this man making coffee that he loves to do. And that that is the most, that's enlightenment. Like that's the most beautiful thing that could ever happen because, and then you brought it fully into because that's what we that's the infinite dance is just the bliss of here I am having this experience beyond the chase yeah yeah and you know i extended that or i don't say i feel like the divine through me extended those moments of human connection into so many beautiful moments during that trip when we went to the grand bazaar which is like this enormous bazaar brimming with leather and ceramics and gold. I love gold. I got Mm -hmm. this necklace at the bazaar. (laughs) But we walk in, I walk in with my parents and we're kind of tired because we'd been walking around the city all day. But I'm really set. I want to buy some cotton, some linen. I want to buy some leather. I want leather pants so bad. And I want gold because the last time I was at the Grand Bazaar, I was 18 years old. 
half my lifetime ago. And at that time I was dying to get a tattoo. I was dying to get a tattoo for my 18th birthday. And I wanted to get the initials of my family. And at the time I actually spelled my name with an X, Xenia, because in Australia where I grew up, somehow that's how they spelled it. But that's the tattoo I wanted to get, LNDX. And then my parents said, there's no chance in the world while you're living under our roof. My dad said that you're getting any tattoos. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to Turkey on a student exchange. I'm going to save up some money and I'm going to go to the bazaar and I'm going to get a custom gold necklace with initials. So that was the last time I had bought gold at the bazaar. And this time I was coming back like this different woman, a married woman with an American passport, like with so many of my earthly dreams fulfilled and it felt like the special moment of, okay, like, what am I, how am I going to celebrate all these things that I've been coming into? And I walk in and there's just all these tourists and all these people and it's so loud and things don't have prices on them, which made me feel really uncomfortable because it meant I needed to have a conversation every single time I was curious about something. And it just felt really overwhelming. Sometimes I'm in a mood for that. And sometimes I'm just really not. And so what happened is I was led to a place where I was able to have a genuine connection where the salespeople in front didn't feel like they were like grabbing onto me, trying to lure me in where I just expressed curiosity. They answered my question and that created the space for an opening. And I think that also applies to social media. It's like when there's not like, get this, but Mm -hmm. like this, I have this amazing thing. If you're curious, come in, take a look, you can touch it. We can talk about it. I can share how it helped me. And so I ended up like in the back room, of this leather store back back room and then the owner comes in from the storage and we had like a whole moment of I was buying a gift for my husband and a belt for myself and again like the directness of them and the crudeness of their sense of humor my dad was getting really exhausted and he was just like kind of falling asleep in the chair and they look at my mom the owner of the shop looks at my mom he's like why don't you just get a new husband <laughs> and i was like where when in america like in american society would you allow yourself to like even think about a joke like that but <clears throat> it was just so refreshing and i had such a fun conversation with the owner and same with this gold that i ended up buying just like this this honesty and this truthfulness okay i have this business what do you want not like trying to push anything that i don't want which I had several experience right before that, but like this exploration, okay, this is what I want. This is what's important to me. And then beyond that, weaving this human connection, getting to know each other a little bit, to me, that's been really the biggest gift. It's like these, whatever happens on the surface, like on the surface was, okay, me coming into shop to buy something, but whatever happens when we allow ourselves to go a couple of steps beyond that, and like truly look the other human in the eye and feel them and hold that eye contact. Like to me, that kind of presence is the biggest gift. That store owner, he really allowed himself to be seen and like we held that eye contact. Or this one time we went to a huge shopping mall, which I had no interest in being while my parents were shopping because <laughs> it was just like all these same brands that we have in America. I was like, why are we even here? Mm-hmm. But then I found this little like bazaar within the shopping mall where artisans were selling things that they made with their own hands. And I found this woman who made ceramics that were just so beautiful and I could feel all the love that went into them. And then right next to her, there was these ceramic eyes paired with crystal beads. So necklaces like ceramic Mm. and crystals. And I ended up going crazy and buying gifts for, for, all of my friends. 
And I ended up connecting most importantly with the two women who did it. And they shared their stories in their broken English. And turns out that they both, they're both like, I think in their fifties, maybe they both quit their full-time jobs to pursue this dream. One of them went and all over into the university to study ceramics and to start this ceramic studio and business. And the other one left her job in fashion to partner with her and make these necklaces out of the ceramic eyes. And I was like, this is incredible. Are you on Etsy? You know, I could, I just really was moved by the love I could feel in what you have here. And they're like, this is actually our first collection. Like this is the first ever time we're allowing the world to see this. Wow. And I feel like I was sent there to be this confirmation that they're on the right path, not just through me having this exchange with them where I gave them money and they gave me the product, but by looking them in their eyes and saying, this is incredible. I feel every mm -hmm. bit of intention and love you put into it. And I would love to see you on Etsy. I would love to see you sharing this on Instagram. Just like the world needs this, please continue. And to me, that is the biggest gift when like the divine speaks through me and puts me just in the right places to affirm that to people. And then again, like beyond the money, money becomes just uh, a small part of that chain of exchange. But what's really beyond that? Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting how for me it keeps going back to that topic of like what's beyond the money, what's beyond the chase. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think for me, oh, you've just said so many beautiful things. I'm just actually taking a moment. Oh my God, that's awesome. I think. There's that beautiful line that's coming up. I don't know the exact words, but it's I think it's from Moulin Rouge. The greatest gift is just to love and be loved in return. Uh, I think it's something like that. And when I hear you speak about looking someone in their eyes, where you have been a witness, you without having to know the story, you come in and you like, oh, you feel it. You walk in. There's there's something here. This is special. And then to have that witnessing that that love when they see your love, that they're, I mean, I just can't think of anything more beautiful. Mm -mm. And the same with social media, you know, mm. when you come into somebody's page, it's not even the words that matter. It's not how they formulated their offering that matters. Yes, there's like layers of appreciation we can have for the artistry with words and with images. And I love all of that and playing with all of that. But beyond that, sometimes we just land on somebody's page and there's just a frequency and we don't know what it is, but we know we're meant to be connected to that. And so I think that happens when, when we allow ourselves to live a rich life outside of social media, when we allow ourselves to experience the richness of connection and applying our work to ourselves within our own lives. And then we become billboards for whatever it is that we want to share with others. And the natural outcome of that is the exchange of money. Yeah. Oh, I am so resonating with that right now because that's been I'm living that right now. I feel like you are the you are the the mirror, the messenger, the storyteller who's who's just like helping me to connect with that because I think sort of last year midway or it's it's been on and off for a while, but really last year I, I've been working with a lovely coach and I I set an intention in one of our sessions. I was like I love I love connecting with people online. I've been doing it for years. It's I it gives me I get a lot of joy out of meeting people all over the world and of sharing my videos, my poems, etc. I love it. And I really want to start working with people and connecting more in person. Like that felt feels like I'm not getting enough of that. And I set the intention. And as I expressed, within the first week of January, three different people reached out to come and sit on my deck 
and work with me like in my and and also i'm now being invited to do a retreat that is with three other facilitators who i deeply admire like really really skilled people on the path and and they're like are so excited to have me as a part of it and we're doing that in person you know, at someone's home and it's just like, oh my God. And so that energy that I'm, and I've been running ice bath and breathwork circles in person. And so, and, and that experience of like, it's like a fish returning to water in a way where I just go, I just so feel at home in a circle of people facilitating. Like, I just feel like I can support people in going into themselves and it just feels so right. So I actually kind of want to like sort of segue this slightly into another question. Um, although I'll give you an opportunity if anything's come up for you uh, in that reflection. I just want to celebrate you. I feel like the joy you kind of like on the edge of your seat when you talk about this is like, <laughs> wait, all these things that I want the most, like they're happening and I, like, <laughs> I'm in my gift and others see me and invite me. It's like, I just really want to acknowledge that and celebrate that because that's huge. Thank you so much. Yeah, it is huge. It feels, it's just, it is, a, it's a gift. That, that's the word is like, I, 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 there's a term I used to use a lot and I still, is pl when I was playing a lot of gigs uh, live and people come up to me afterwards and, and they, you know, just thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I'm there going, no, th thank you so much. Like I couldn't, you know, without you, I would have been in an empty room. Thank and then I realized over time, it's like, well, thank us because thank me for showing up. Thank me for making the effort to put together this experience. Thank you for showing up, for being a part of it. And then when they say thank us, they're acknowledging that they co-created the experience. So, mm -hmm. so that's the gift for me is the, is the thank us. When I get to say thank us, I have like, this is the right thing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Thanks. So I want to, there's something you mentioned actually in when you were filling out your intake form, which was now a while ago, and it was about the importance of following intuitive hits. And you've talked about this quite a bit in this conversation already, but I'd like to kind of open the door to, to really go into that. So, and, and you also expanded on that saying the room, leaving room to change your mind moment by moment. And you expressed how you quit your sort of nomadic year halfway through. And I, mm. I would just love to hear you speak on, on that, on intuition, the intuitive hits and, and how that shows up for you and how that might uh, serve others who are listening. Mm. Oh, yeah, I love that the nomadic year example came in. So the example that I spoke with in my intake was in 2016, I had just gotten my green card in the US, which was a whole journey to get to. And the big vision was once I get my green card, I have this freedom. I'm not tight. I don't have to stay in any job. I'm not tied to any place. I can just do whatever I want. So I had planned to travel for a year and work nomadically from wherever I was working with brands and doing content thing that I knew best to do and consulting, you know, social media stuff. And I had applied for a program that they advertise as like super competitive to get into work with other entrepreneurs, like work and live with other entrepreneurs. It'll take you to all these amazing cities around the world from like Bali to Argentina and, a bunch of places in Europe and I don't think it was actually competitive because they ended up shutting it down. <laughs> Spoiler <Yeah>. alert. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they made it seem like it was. And I remember when I was accepted, I was just like over the moon. I was like, wow, I'm important and I'm chosen. And I'm one of these cool entrepreneurs. And But I couldn't wait to just start the program. So I decided to start traveling a little bit early. So the program was starting in January and in September, I packed up my bags in my apartment in New York City 
and just went traveling. And I drove across the US. I went to Brazil. I went to Bali. I then ended up in Russia for the holidays with my family. And uh, New York just kept calling me back in. There kept being opportunities that I just was so excited to say yes to. One of them was Prada had reached out and hired me to do a breakfast for them, like an artistic recipe design to match their current fashion collection. And for me, somebody who was like growing up in post-Soviet Russia, dying to be part of the glossy world I would see in magazines, knowing names of all the fashion designers, to be invited into high fashion in such a way at that time, it felt like such a recognition. And so I said, yes, I flew in. I designed this beautiful coconut yogurt parfait with spirulina that was like all layered white, yellow, and, and blue. And after that, there like was another opportunity. And so something just kept pulling me back into New York. And January was coming up and I was just like, you know, like after I've traveled on my own, I, I don't know if I need this program. I just really enjoy booking an Airbnb and then like letting my intuition guide me to places and people and things. And I showed up in Bali completely alone and I ended up, you know, meeting people and having amazing synchronicities and conversations and healings. And all of a sudden, boom, after I put that request out into the universe, I get an email saying, hey, the program has been canceled. Here's your money back. And I was like, wow. <laughs> what? This is amazing. And so the message was clear. It was actually not to even continue traveling on my own, but to go back to New York and to create a home base and to go on a dating app. And uh, there was somebody I was meant to meet. It was like very, very, very clear. So went back to New York, the most incredible apartment found me. It was on the Upper West Side. It was like newly renovated uh, it had a fireplace, which you don't actually ever, like ever find in New York, especially in smaller like studio apartments that have view of a garden. It had a Trader Joe's right next to it. I was in heaven. The price was just right. Like everything was amazing. And I started dating and I had a lot of fun dating and a lot of heartbreaks as well. The whole journey of like finding my worth all over again, like picking myself back up, finding my value within. And then... I met the person who became my husband and it was so clear. And in the moment where I met him, I remember like when we were at the point where I felt comfortable saying what area of the city I live in, he said, you're joking, right? And he thought I was some sort of creep that just kind of like stalked him and figured out where he grew up because <laughs> where I was living was the block where he grew up out of all of New York City. Oh, wow. And his mom still lived there, still lives there now. And wow. so there was just so many interesting synchronicities around the whole thing. Like on our first date, I was wearing all these crystal bracelets and he picked them up and said, you know, you know, have you cleared these crystals? You don't know where they came from. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he taught me right on the spot at the coffee shop, how to clear the energy of crystals just with your hand and with your intention. And then we went to uh, namaste bookshop, crystal shop on the 14th street on our first date. And on the way over, we started talking about sacred mushrooms and, it, and on our second date, he took me to a date, um, uh, to a shamanic circle. <laughs> and later on, he told me that it was his way of like testing how far he can be himself and like show the things he's into because previously he didn't often meet people who were like cool 
with all the out there stuff and all the burning man experiences it had I was like dude bring it on like this is this is my reality yeah. so you know only looking back I now know that I was meant to be in New York City because I was meant to meet him I was his first date after he had set an intention okay I'm gonna get serious now I'm gonna hold space for the one for the one I'm gonna marry and I was his first date. I can't say the wow. same thing about him, but I was his first date. <laughs> and if I wasn't there at that moment, like just the divine timing, I don't know how all of that would have worked out. And I don't see us ever crossing paths in another context outside of that dating app. So, <clears throat> you know, at the time I was like, I didn't know exactly why I needed to go to New York and find an apartment and resettle after telling the world and that I'm going to be traveling and even getting the Instagram handle my nomadic year and like people coming up to me in Bali and saying, Hey, are you my nomadic year? There was like so much kind of confirmation and coolness that I felt around mm. this whole creation and this project, but that wasn't my path. And so that has been a lesson that comes in over and over. The fact that this was my truth at some point and I was guided to do it doesn't mean that I need to come to completion with it. Like mm. it, what if it already has come to completion? And it has because there's something else that is knocking on my door and asking to be in my field. So can we trust ourselves to switch paths midway because we're called to without the fear of feeling like we're failures or we're incomplete or we're not keeping our word? We are humans and we're constantly shifting and it's okay to change. And it's okay to launch a program and have it be very successful and people still ask me about it. They're like, where can I buy it? I heard your podcast about your conscious social media program. Where do I sign up? And saying, it's not offered right now. And I don't know why spirit guided me that way. And it doesn't really make sense because there's still so much value in it. But that's where it's at at the moment. And I don't need to know the full story of why or if it ever will come back into life. Sure. Thank you for that story. And... Yeah, the, the resonance for me is this change from musician. You know, I really, I've been in love with lyrics since I was, I don't know, since as long as I can remember knowing how to speak. I, th I thought, I've just felt words are just so amazing. They're so powerful. It's like, what a wonderful thing. And uh, started writing songs when I was 14 and always kind of wanted to be a musician and eventually committed at 28. I was like, right, I'm, this is, I'm doing this thing. And, and, and so a few years ago, this is not even that long ago now, it would have been the year before last, I had finally decided I'm going to do a breathwork facilitator course. I'm going to start looking at a different way of of my career, of my life, of my calling. And it was like, oh my God, what am I doing? It's like, I've been, I've been playing music. I've got like this, this whole thing. And, and my sweet lady, I mean, thank you for just synchronicities and the beauty of, of the messages of the universe because she purchased me a, an astrology um, reading, a full reading for my birthday. And it was a, mutual, a friend of ours, Margarita, an amazing astrologer. And Margarita in the reading, she's like, listen, Nathan, I know you. So, so I know that you're a professional musician. Like, I know that's what you do. And creativity is in your chart. It's super important for you. Really, really important. She said, but if I didn't know you, I would say that your money, the way that you work, would be teaching, coaching, facilitating. And she didn't know that I had just signed up for this breathwork facilitator course and I had just taken the step on this whole new path. And that feeling of the, the universe rewarding me following something that in, in a way logically, like I couldn't work it out logically. I was like, why am I doing this? This is crazy. 
So yeah, when I hear you, I hear that, what it took to really follow that intuition. And then you met your husband, like your husband to be, you know, like that's profound. Mm. It's amazing. And it's so beyond logic. And you know, what else comes Mm. in? You've mentioned several people on your path from the person who gave you like the tarot reading in the UK with all these other modalities to this person who affirmed your decision to go into coaching and teaching. I'm just so grateful because I've also had people on my path that just in the perfect moment have been these mirrors of what's possible, reaffirming me on my path. And sometimes just one phrase can change everything and it really stays with us. And I'm just so grateful for all the teachers in my path. And I'm reminded that when you and I and everybody listening, when we listen to our intuition and we do what we're called to do and we embody the lessons that are coming through us and we share them, that's what we're doing for everybody around us. We're like passing on this torch of activation. Mm. And it's one of my favorite kind of infinite loops of life is when we do that, like keep passing on the torch, whoever needs it right now. Hey, you, okay, you need a reminder. Here you go. Here you go. I need a reminder so bad. Give it to me now. You know? (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. It's amazing. You, you mentioned that around the other people because I just did a year, a review of a different kind of year review a few days ago. It was based on something Tim Ferriss suggested, which was just to go through peak moments. So what were the peak moments, relationships, interactions, people, actions that, that gave, positive emotions and negative emotions and then he's like and then take the top 20 percent of both do more of the positive like add in more of the positive the stuff that gave you the positive feelings and try to decrease the other ones and and when i wrote the list of positives suddenly i was reading through it again and i just realized that every single one was so deeply related to people and to to otherness to to something out there to either my dog or Carly or friends or whatever but like that there were so many people and other beings to be grateful for that it wasn't there's a story of like well I did all this cool you know I did it all myself and it's no not at all like the feeling of thank you so much everybody for reflecting such a beautiful life that I can be a part of god what a gift mm-hmm. thank us <laughs> Thank us. Thank us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so I have, there's a few little things, but I, I kind of just want to ask you one more question and then we're going to, we're going to continue this conversation in the little bonus round that, uh, but because you've mentioned sacred mushrooms a few times and I do want to get into that, but, but I want to kind of end this, this open conversation with the question that I ask every guest, which is, and you can take your time with this, but it is when you hear we are already free, what comes up for you? life beyond the chase of needing to be anybody but who you are now. It's this remembering of beauty and freedom, infinite beauty and freedom that we always have access to. And we feel it when we simply take a deep breath And we allow ourselves to be exactly right here, right now. And uh, one of the biggest, biggest breakthroughs that I've been moving through that's opened up so much space is identifying different areas of my life where I push against. Like I make up a story about a person or a situation and I just like dwell 
on making up stories about it to validate how I feel about it. Just like so anti, you know, like fighting against like, and I realized that like 99.9% of it is so made up. Like it's so old. It's not even true anymore. And there was a particular situation the other day where I was like, what if I just like explore what's there? What if I stop making up stories? I have a conversation with the person and see what what happens. And what happened was the most beautiful connection, the most beautiful resonance, the most beautiful synchronicities. And all the stories I was holding were such bullshit. And that like propelled me into a whole other realm. Like I felt like so in this state of expanded consciousness, like I was tripping for days from the space that mm. opened up because I didn't need to push anymore. And so to me, that's what freedom is. It's like, can you allow yourself to stop pushing against pretending that you know better and instead be with? And if there's certain things you need to address or conversations you need to have to stop the pushing against, so be it, have it. Like to me, it was really uncomfortable to have that conversation, but I did it. Or in my mind, it would would have been very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like it took me a lot leading up to it. And like I'm like, no, I don't want this. I don't need this. And then I just picked up the phone and had that conversation. And it was just amazing. It was so freeing. So that's freedom is how can you channel your life force energy to build the reality that you want instead of walking around and being like, no, I don't like this. I'm going to fight this, you know, pushing against that pushing against takes us out of our embodied experience of a soul and a body and just like gets us into all these social and health and political conversations that are not serving anybody back into the body. What am I building? What am I for? What am I creating? Mm -hmm. And that's true freedom. So what waking up and listening moment by moment, what am I meant to create today? What am I meant to access in the divine pantry of everything and bring through this human vessel and channel out into the world today? In the divine pantry of everything. I think that's officially just become one of my favorite lines. <laughs> <laughs> my, my mentor, Michelle, she at some point mentioned the divine pantry and how we always have access to everything in there. And it just like that visual has mm. stuck with me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ksenia, for, for, for showing up and for being you and reflecting and just being so available. And uh, this conversation has been exactly what I needed. And I'm, I hope, and I'm sure and trust that for anyone who's listening to this, this is a, this has been an empowering experience. And really the only other thing I'd like to ask you is where does the listener find you at this point? Thank you. It's been so fun. Thank you for the space that you hold. Where the podcast is the heart and center at the moment of everything I do. Web eight on all platforms. My website, KseniaBrief.com, K-S-E-N-I-A-B-R-I-E-F.com. And I'm Ksenia Brief on all platform, all platforms, YouTube, YouTube, not so much, but I don't know. I was called to bring it up just now. I guess something's pulling me into that. But TikTok, Instagram, that's where you can find me. I'd love to hear from you and and know what moved you in this conversation, what you're taking away and how you're applying it in your own life. Cool. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Ksenia. 
Thanks again, Ksenia Brief. What a pleasure. And be sure to check out her podcast where she actually invited me to feature on that one straight after this one. And that actually came out a lot sooner because she had less of a backlog. Anyway, I'm on her podcast. It was an amazing conversation. She is a super inspiring podcast host and human, and I just really admire and appreciate her. So, so be sure to check that out. I will share it in the show notes. Uh, to enjoy the bonus chat with Ksenia, where she tells a beautiful story about how her grandfather taught her to sing to mushrooms. It's really tender, really touched me. It was absolutely gorgeous. So you can also get a shout out on the podcast and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. Just join the Patreon tribe at alreadyfree.me forward slash Patreon and support the podcast, get the bonus chat and a bunch of other wonderful, cool things. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this magical conversation with Ksenia Brief. I hope you enjoyed exploring the power of vulnerability, the importance of following intuitive hits and... My personal favorite, how to weave a new dream outside of the current paradigm of marketing and business. To learn more about Ksenia and her work, visit KseniaBrief.com. Check out her YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. Uh, links to Ksenia and more can also easily be found in the show notes at alreadyfree.me forward slash 26. Thank you for being here with me, dear listener. It's an absolute pleasure, a blessing, and a delight. I look forward to seeing you next week on We Are Already Free.